Hello and welcome to the UCC Planning Podcast. My name is Kieran Deneen, editor and co-host of the student-led podcast where we look to discuss all things about the cities and towns we live in. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has interacted with either myself or my co-host Colin Coatenogan in the last couple of weeks regarding the podcast. We're absolutely blown away by all the support, particularly after the launch of our first episode with Dr. Frank O'Connor and Jude Sherry. We can't wait to bring you more content and discussions like that over the coming months as we look to broaden the conversation about urban studies and city planning. I think you're all going to be buzzing for who we have on today and that is the one and only Julia Valone. Julia, as many will know, is a senior architect at Cork County Council. She's been a major part of some really important master plans for town centres in Cork, including Clonakilty and Mallow, and more recently Cove. Having worked in Ireland for around 20 years, we could probably say that uh, Julia is one of her own at this stage, but her Italian heritage still shines through in everything that she does, and there really was only one way we could begin this conversation. Julia, welcome. Forza Italia, Forza Zuri. It must have been a wonderful couple of weeks of celebration in Italy at the moment. Uh, and of course, with the Olympics as well, you've won the 100 metres and the high jump and everything. There must be an unbelievable spirit and buzz um, around Italy at the moment, is there? Ciao a tutti. And yes, Kieran, uh, indeed, uh, it's a beautiful uh, time um, here. I'm actually in Italy at the moment on holiday, so it's uh, it's wonderful to see the atmosphere, not only for winning the European Cup, but in general, uh, it's uh, full summer. As you probably know, all Italians take holidays in August, so you couldn't find a, a most uh, busiest time of the year. And and yet and yet here you are talking to us. So obviously there's you know <laughs> you're half Irish at this stage, I think. So um, still still working away in August, even though someone did tell me that you were uh, that the Italians did usually take a bit of a holiday break in August. But I wanted to um, I wanted to segue kind of as you're there at the moment into Italy and maybe just speak about um, you know growing up in Italy and maybe who some of the role models you you looked up to in terms of architecture. I know that you have. A quote from um, Richard Rogers uh, on on your Twitter account um, is is he someone in particular that you you looked at growing up as an aspiring architect? Uh, well, well spotted actually. Um, yes, and, and as you know, um, Richard Rogers is actually of Italian himself, and um, it, it is uh, an inspiration of mine, and especially the the urban design side of Richard Rogers and. Uh, he, he actually says where there is a good coffee, there is a public space. And of course, um, the, co- the coffee culture, um, be, me being in, in Italy, growing up here as, as part of my, uh, the way I see things in terms of socializing and outdoor space and the, and the 
public space. In effect, um, it's always about the context uh, before any any building or before any other um, study in, in urban planning. And of course, apart from Richard Rogers, um, by anthropological design approach, um, of course, I'm, I'm very much um, following the work of Jan Gale, um, where he always says, observe, people first. And uh, I think he, he learned that from his wife being a, a sociologist, um, where, you know, you, there is nothing you can design successful unless you observe the users first. Um, and I think about Richard Rogers, also Renzo Piano, of course, um, they, they they have inspired me with, with young Gale um, being also um, an advocate of Italian public space because young Gale uh, is, is Danish, but he learned a lot in, in his early life um, looking at Piazza del Miracolo in Siena and how people navigate in the, in the public space. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's actually uh, 2021 is, is a year for anniversaries and it's it's 40 years since Jan wrote um, Life Between Buildings and it's actually 50 years since Jane Jacobs uh, at the death and, and life of, uh, of great American cities. So um, two, two massive anniversaries there. Uh, very interesting, you know, to hear that they have had um, an influence on you and, you know, particularly with with um, Jan Gale, uh, actually reading um, a book of his uh, that he brought out uh, not so long ago about how to study public life. And that really is so important to um, our vision for town centres, isn't it, Julia? Yeah, and um, of course, I grew up in a, in a I mean, I'm from Sicily and uh, we have, let's say, 10 months of uh, summer <laughs> per year, and we leave um, 12 hours outside. And, and of course, we're, we are all about um, outdoor and, and life, uh, as, as Young says, between buildings. And I'm actually at the moment uh, in, in my own town, uh, Harbour, in Castellamare del Golfo, and just facing, while I'm talking to you, this beautiful promenade. And it's all about um, incredibly multi-generational socializing. It's, it's, it's about inclusiveness because um, you don't see only people eating on the street or drinking or doing an activity. It's all happening together. So there is, um, obviously you can imagine how uh, coming from the South of Italy, there's a lot of street food culture um, and eating out, etc. cetera. Uh, but it's about the... I think the pride of people and how the public space and the public life is perceived because there seems like the town center becomes almost an arena for audience of people watching out public life. And it's, I think also in Irish town used to be like that. If you look at, for example, Mallow in North Cork um, as this beautiful um, bow window at the first floor and they were done for having, uh, looking out at the passeggiata, at the promenade, looking out, uh, people walking. So it, it's really um, a different type of view where it's not segregating things, activity and people, but it's all happening together. And, and, and people and, and becomes almost the theater and uh, public life going past. And, and that's what you, what you are. You look it out and you, you develop this pride for the outdoor because it's almost treated like the living room of your house, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, of, and of course, you are right in that it was Yangea's wife who, who did have 
so much um, of an impact on him because originally yeah. as an architect, I think he, w- he was very much from the modernist point of view, focusing on, on buildings um, rather yes. than rather than what was what was between them. And, you know, Julia, I, and I know you've, you've worked on projects, obviously, like Clonakilty and Mallow. And you know p- plans have been in the pipeline for other towns um, across across the country uh, prior to COVID. So wheels were kind of in motion for improving, um, we'll say, pedestrian permeability and public realm enhancement. Um, but since uh, since COVID, it really has sparked a debate about what we do with uh, public space. Um, and, you know, w- when there were restrictions in our town centres, people started to go out more and, you know, they, they came across stumbling blocks like, uh, you know, sh- uh, very narrow footpaths um, and uh, a, a lack of, we'll say, open public spaces to go to. Um, do you think that COVID can really be a, a catalyst for change in that sense? Well, uh, Kieran, I have to say, when I started in Clonakilty um, in in 2012, um, that was the, the the contract work. But actually, I started my process in 2000 since 2006. When I said to them, to the councillors, the community, you need uh, outdoor spaces for tables and chairs, they said to me, "Well, you're Italian, you don't understand the weather in Ireland." Uh, but here we go, at 2012, 2013, we built Asna Square and people were having coffee after all and after dark as well, having those blankets and heaters. Um, so it is true that COVID has almost accelerated that process in everywhere else. And, and in a way, yes, it is a catalyst for something very positive, but also it become it's coming up with, with its own issues. Yes, you're right, um, everybody's now appreciating that, that there is a, a beautiful aspect outdoor outside when I came to Ireland first I noticed that um, there was more a pub, pub public and uh, pubs kind of indoor uh, culture for recreation and and that's of course uh, the, the weather is to be blamed but but actually it's it's about um, what you use because I'm always called in Ireland what I'm told is not about the the weather is about what you wear so in effect in the public space we can say if you have a good um good public space um you know you can actually enjoy the outdoor and yes you, you mentioned the, the footpath and how people is now um more familiar with how much space you need and um, if you want to put space for chairs etc but of course covid um has accelerated a little bit of shift of mindset however is also created only temporary a context which has their own problems. For example, we can see places that are now not accessible anymore because of all these ta- tables and chairs or people thinking that is too much because you know there's noise in the evening, there's rubbish on the floor. So it's about, I think, uh, it's about a good planning of this context, this or this um, design um, that you want to do, and and you you need in the center of all to be inclusive. So you cannot just design a town center only for eating out. Mm. So it has to be again a multi generational context where there is children, where there is my famous, I, I like to call them the octogenarians, that they are 
in my case in Sicily, um, almost acting as traffic calming because you know in Italy you always have um, very uh, old people you know sitting out or, or moving slowly, and I think I miss that in in Irish towns. And um, it's about a good planning where you also design towns to have elderly people or home cares inside uh, the town center, not at the periphery. So we want to get uh, town centers that are multifunctional, not only. It was car parking mainly, then COVID arrived, and now it seems to be only dining out. So it cannot be like this. It really has to be a balance of, of many activities. Uh, and social, antisocial behavior, of course, is something you can correct when you have um, passive surveillance. So you, you can have multi-age people be living in that space. So yes, it is a very important accelerator um, um, impact that COVID has brought us, but we need to be careful because um, temporarily things might not be bringing the, the full positive effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's interesting when you when you say, you know, spaces um, need to be for everyone. And, uh, you know, when you were talking about how uh, the kind of the, the amount of cafes popping up was a sign of we'll say activity and vibrancy in a place but at the same time you know you don't want to have to spend money to be able to spend time um in 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 an open space and you know we we need to be aware of that that you know not 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 everyone has uh you know three euro every day to be spending on uh on an americano uh to Hmm. sit out in whether it be sunshine or or uh or or bad weather um and of course when you when you consider you know as you say the amount of outdoor dining that we have how does that impact on we'll say with people with disabilities um are you are you taking over uh footpaths and not providing adequate infrastructure um for for people with disabilities and i and i know that has been um a criticism um of of some of the temporary measures that that have taken place so it is it is about that inclusivity um i think that as as you will know through um initiatives like project act in core county council yeah. that there were very we'll say um uh, uh quick responses as quick response was needed um to re to regenerate town centers and to kick start um that kind of uh, uh economy outdoor economy um and then you know once once things calms d- calm down hopefully we can we can come back to the table and have another discussion um about yeah. about yeah. Uh, that in- inclusive nature that we need to go towards uh, absolutely and to, to kind of come back to little rogers in a way he says uh, each building should give back something to the public space so it's it's not only the public space it's how we design buildings and and it's about uh, that planning gain. You know, I've been, I was when I was town architect uh, for so many years, for almost a decade in in, in County Council. Uh, we were always looking at that perspective where everybody, every development, not only public but also private, can give um, an amenity to for public amenity and for the community. So it's not only the the, the COVID has brought this attention into the public space, but it's something that really planners and architects and uh, architects clients as well should give back 
and and if you don't mind me mentioning again is is, is also um we had the biennale in 2018 the architecture biennale which was magnificently created by grafton architects the irish architects was called free space so it's it's really about the generosity of architects and and people in this industry to give something back uh, when they do every building any building or any any investment to what is our um, what you call that place making or you know our community in any case mm. yeah no and there's there's very much a um i suppose a, a sustainable philosophical approach to that as well where if you're if you're taking something from the space or from the land that you that you should um, reinvest in and give back um mm. so yeah no that's that's really interesting that you say that uh, you know, you've you've mentioned your your projects with Clonakilty and Mallow, and another one that you've been involved in recently has been Cove. Um, I know that is currently in the Part A process, and there's people in Cove hopefully writing plenty of ob- observations and submissions to that, um, welcoming the new I- the new ideas proposed. Um, I, I I had a look at the the fantastic video that was put together for it um, a couple of days ago, and the driving message behind it. Um, was was this uh, the acronym as as gaps um for for green active pro social and safe spaces um i'm just wondering can you can you maybe just explain the the general importance of place julia uh, I'd, I'd particularly be interested in the safe space context because i think um with the way that we're we're also planning cities uh, there's more and more people coming out with a, a feminist voice and you know how sometimes uh, the cities and towns, the way they're planned, aren't necessarily um, are very safe spaces in in certain circumstances for women. Mm, absolutely, um, you have actually uh, centered a very important point of Cove uh, in terms of the design uh, philosophy there, um, which of course, as as always in the town centre, starts from heritage, but is about really a new page that we, in this current position, we are um, establishing, which is equity and quality and is accessibility and safety. Um, that's why um, we had as well a very good um, expertise on board. Um, we had a particular um, specialty on this um, accessibility consultant, but also um, a specialist in lighting because the lighting um, is always something, I, in my opinion, that maybe is not very much taken on board at the beginning of a scheme. But uh, we had um, actually a very important focus on how to create a place that, you, that is open to everybody and is accessible and safe to everybody. For instance, um, the lighting plays a big role and what you just mentioned. Um, often, traditionally, um, not only we have uh, you know, made street transformed street and roads and and put cars and car parking everywhere but also we have adapted our lighting luxor to um actually to the cars sort of you know philosophy so the lighting public public lighting traditionally is only the the light for the cars um but otherwise there's a huge world of place making lighting you can make so that uh, people feel more safe and feel more attracted to go to the place and we have introduced this night economy as well uh, in the 15 minutes town where in cove uh, where you can actually um almost like if it was a, a set stage of a theater the town will have the light and the lights 
are going to be designed for people rather than cars. So we have uh, really uh, put a spotlight on people and the public life. What I was talking about in Sicily, uh, this promenade, people uh, want to walk and meet their girlfriend or bump into each other and socialize. So the lighting in Cove uh, in particular is as a very big role. Uh, we have in integrated lighting in each uh, every possible way, steps, handrail, um, always uh, be careful about the natural habitat. And, and we have also reduced the car sort of um, looks because now we have uh, a lot of ecology standard and, uh, to, and target where climate change etc so safety in my case not only uh, is about uh, the lighting is about uh, passive surveillance uh, many times i've been asked how about cctv cameras do you have cctv cameras there is a lot to do before you actually consult things with cctv cameras which is uh, put things in the right place and and have a, 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 a way that you can see the space 3D. So if you want to have a successful public space, you need to be sure that there is buildings around it that have an, an active facade, which is like doors. So people are continuously going in and out. And uh, I know um, towns, some many towns in Ireland have this problem at six o'clock, so everything closed down and it's dark and there's no activity in the town center anymore. So that's a big problem that uh, in safety that uh, having trying to populate this town center with, with lighting, with placemaking, and, and of course, um, trying to make this old building back to life in the town center, living above the shop will make all uh, very possible with, in terms of addressing safety and placemaking. Wonderful, yeah, and I, I'm I'm fascinated by this the the your mentioning of the kind of nighttime economy because I think it's something that uh, has will say been a theme um, across different countries in Europe and even I I don't know if there is a, an example of it but I've 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 heard of we'll say nighttime mayors um, in different cities and provinces um, across Europe uh, and and look obviously. Uh, you can't have a nighttime economy in every in every town across Ireland, but there are certain cases. I think in Cove is a prime example of one, where you can have a shared space that acts as one thing during the day and is transformed mm -hmm. at night, particularly we we'll say in in seasonal um, times of the year. And I, I love some of the some of the designs that have that have come uh, that that have come out from that. I'm just wondering, Julia. Um, <laughs> You know, as an architect, and you 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 come to a town, uh, in in Ireland or in Cork, do you do you bring like a set of established or you know malleable concepts that you can apply to any town, or is it very much kind of an individual approach to um uh, uh you know uh, a different uh, each town I should say is each town unique? Mm, yeah, of course, uh, that's a good question here. The answer is each, each, each town is unique. Um, however, um, there's one thing that uh, a, that is common in every town, in every culture, in every in every town in terms of Europe, the world, which is the public life. 
So people, as, as, as young girls say, act the same in every climate or geography that they are. They like to be socializing together. They like to be in a place where there's trees, where there's a shelter, where there is, they like to sit in the sun, etc. So my first uh, approach um, is all, always the basic, it's considered the public life. And as, as Jungel says, public life before urban space as a priority and urban spaces before building. So yes, uh, the, the, it's, it's about people. Um, it's, it's people first, and that's the, the, the starting point. Of course, heritage uh, in each of, um, town might be different. Uh, Cove, um, it's, it's one of my most beautiful um, uh, experience in, in design. It's, it's so rich in architecture uh, with this wonderful, elegant Victorian design. And, and of course, um, not only is the heritage the, 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 the touchable, uh, the tangible heritage, but it's also the cultural heritage. For me, it's it's very important. So public life first, so people looking, observing people in each town, mainly uh, having done this job for 20 years, I can say I do almost know <laughs> what um, what is the problems in each of the town center, which is the cluttering reveal. And it's something that actually, if you, if you have visited the Cove um, website, it's the philosophy of that design is is about um, the clutter first, all that has been there, layers of, of wrong choices and, and things, objects in the public space, and then reveal the, the actual pure heritage back to the 19th century photographs, which I use very much. And then trying to redefine with very sensitive design and try to match what the people need. So again, it's people and it's the cultural heritage, which I'm very uh, focused on because Kieran, um, I often speak to people that are eight years of age. Uh, I interview the local heritage person, the local tidy town. They, they all have so much to share in their memories. And we need to collect those memories as soon as possible before it's too late. And we need to try to, um, in our legacy, give back that because it's important that its town is own, its own, has own, um, its own genus logic. So each, each town is different, but, but it's not only an aesthetic thing. So it's about the, that cultural um, heritage we need to try to make sure you can see it. It's, it's like when you come to Italy as well, and you see those uh, people sitting out in the street and talking to each other. And, and that's what you bring back when you visit as well as a tourist. You don't, not only you bring back the food, the architecture, you bring back that um, beautiful place-making uh, effect that you see in the, the everyday life. Yeah, I, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't agree agree more with everything it's just said. And I think the the decluttering point is interesting. And I think you can mm. you can see it more and more in in different um, public realm enhancement plans that are that are coming out for for towns and villages uh, across the country. Um, Julia, you've been absolutely fantastic, and I could I could listen to you and talk to you all day. I'm sure <laughs> Colin could as well, who's listening in. Um, uh, I do want to ask you one last question uh, very quickly, which is one that we we ask all our guests, and that is, what is one issue in planning in our towns and cities that is currently not being talked about, but should be? Um, Kieran, I think um, my my always. My answer to uh, this is heritage. And um, I, 
I feel that there should be much more awareness of heritage in Ireland, and especially those beautiful town centers. Uh, with the with the Biennale, which I mentioned before, the Free Space Biennale, we had also Free Market, which was the Irish Pavilion, and it was um, uh, something put on spot. Uh, how much is the heritage lost? But when I say heritage, I would like to more or less. Um, focus on my, my answer into the materials, quality of materials, uh, because um, it, it's quite um, heartbreaking for me to see how uh, we are ending up to downgrade our materials for public space. Uh, we are um, almost building things temporary, uh, while I think our legacy in terms of heritage should be quality materials, high quality materials. Um, I'm here outside um, in my own town, uh, this paving materials outside is um, 2000 years before Christ's um, materials and they're still good and they're still used and they're still beautiful. And of course I've done this in, in Clonacilty as well. Uh, we, we have not used any road marking for instance, so it's really um, a different um, page that I would like um, that happened in, in our Irish town centre. The problem, you probably know, we always have to deal with slip, trip and falls and about uh, like, why can we not use stone all the time? We're, we're told we, we better use concrete because, you know, it's, it's really serious uh, issue for me that um, there's no much awareness of how important it is to use uh, high quality materials. How, what are we giving to the next generations? And I mentioned Corona Gifty Main Street when we did the work, we did the excavation, we found uh, beautiful cobbles, 19th century cobbles. And that was the heritage that we are still having there. But what do, are we giving to the next generation if we are keeping using so much asphalt, so much tarmac, so much concrete product? So there is something um, that needs to be done in this country, which is uh, all these problems about insurance and, you know, the way in, in Italy, you don't, you're responsible on your own falls and trips. Mm -hmm. in, in Ireland, you're not. In Ireland, you sued the council. Mm -hmm. And that, that's unfortunately what has brought us to use what they call low maintenance materials or materials that are not sewn. So that is, to me, a very important uh, aspect because um, the, the public space is not less important than the buildings. So if we do use um, high quality, quality material for buildings and we do not have road marking buildings, we shouldn't have um, accordingly, we shouldn't have those um, road marking and clutter and very low spec materials in the town centers. Yeah, that's that's fascinating that you're after bringing that up. Um, and I think it's it's a conversation that uh, that needs to be had, obviously, at a, at a societal level, um, you know, and, and we would love to see kind of if you look at the likes of um, of, we'll say, a, a, a Bray um, or even having a look at uh, Barrack Street and the fantastic cobbles in Barrack Street or mm. um, we'll say so parts of the railway railway line in Black Rock. Um, and being able to harvest that kind of heritage and, and, and keep a hold of it. Absolutely. And, and if you look at Europe, um, uh, you know, like th there is there is a lot uh, more sensitivity and more, um, you know, awareness of heritage. There's a lot of as well uh, funding. And we are really um, trying to miss, we, we almost try and risk to miss those, uh, those funding from Europe about our town centres. They need a lot of care. 
design is important. Uh, high quality materials are really, in my opinion, something that can give us uh, a hope for sort of um, a future proofer of, of heritage in, in, in Ireland. And I hope it will, will happen. Wonderful. We all do. We all do. Listen, Julia, thank you so much for your time today. We're absolutely delighted to have you on. And, uh, and hopefully you, you might come back and, and join us again one day. Absolutely. Very, very pleased. Thank you so much. And uh, very good to talk to you. Now we're going to cross over to our American correspondent for today. Um, calling Rochester, New York. Colin, can you hear me? Coming in loud and clear there, Kieran. Uh, thanks very much for uh, another great interview there with uh, with Julia. I was listening in there. Um, as you say, yes, coming in from Rochester, New York today, and um, yeah, just and yet again, just a really just inspirational person. Um, and even though she is an architect uh, by profession, um, she really has a planner's heart. I think uh, because putting people first. Uh, talking about the pride of people, the meeting for coffee, uh, public space, all of these things are just really at the heart of good planning. Um, and so it's great to see somebody that just really shares that vision um, and, and is coming into our towns in Ireland in a, you know, from an Italian perspective and applying um, some of the great work that uh, is being done in uh, piazzas and things like that in Italy um, and just applying them to our um, towns in Ireland. And I think it's very interesting that, you know, she brought up the idea that, you know, oh, the weather won't cooperate and things like that. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you asked her about COVID and the fact that obviously people are now seeing that you can actually have a public space outside in Ireland um, and you can actually meet your friends for coffee and things like that. So I think that really is great to see. Uh, one of the and there's also I, there's probably we'll say a, a, the, the planners kind of dilemma in there as well, which I'm coining coining a phrase of, but maybe to turn it into the Irish perspective is, is that we can't do everything at once um, as planners. And I think, uh, you know, if you do do if you do try and even attempt to do that, you you may end up planning, um, you know, cities and towns in a very skewed way um, that that isn't very inclusive um or 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 caring to 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 certain we'll say minority groups um and that if you do rush the process you 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 avoid good planning as such and uh, planning for fight for diversity and for inclusivity uh, and i think she was she was realistic in that point of view as well in that it's it's great to have outdoor dining but as i mentioned in the conversation you know what what about people with disabilities who are struggling um and you know it can't be uh a tyranny of the majority and um, we have to consider uh all different groups of of different people um so sorry what were you about to say then no uh, no actually uh, now the picking up on your point actually i think that you hit the nail on the head there that you you can't there's no one quick fix solution to planning i mean I, it, good planning has to be done over time and i think that um, her mentioning the work of jan gale as an inspiration is really um significant in that regard because of the fact that Jan Gale's approach to planning is that it, do, it does happen over a 50-year period. It doesn't happen over a five-year period. Uh, and so uh, I agree that putting um, 
we do have to take in the needs of everybody. Um, and uh, like she said, this multi-generational approach, um, and you would even argue uh, that it's multi-generational, multi-generational, uh, multi kind of need, I suppose, approach to, pe to people, um, people's needs and things like that. Um, I thought that it was great that she uh, mentioned uh, the idea of from a planning point of view and something that um, as a planning student, I think that we would pick up on is uh, the active frontages, which is the fact that the, you know, that the eyes on the street, as Jane Jacobs would say, you know, the fact that our buildings and our streets need to be kind of intertwined, no matter what their use is, no matter whether it's an office building or a shop and things like that, that our public space and our building being intertwined really adds to um, the safety aspect of the street and the safety aspect of our town squares and uh, I think that that's something that um, is great to see that she is um, talking about places like Cove and things like that in terms of safety uh, and again I think that's um, another very very interesting point um, yeah. that she has made I mean I could you and I could obviously talk for hours on, you know, and dissect everything that, that went on in the, that went on in that conversation, because there's such a rich tapestry of um, discussion around uh, different aspects of planning and things like that. But uh, once again, just, I think a great um, person to really advocate for good planning and uh, sustainability within our towns. Yeah, yeah. And she also, which I found extremely interesting, was the aspect of, we'll say, this, the societal behavior um, towards, we'll say, the, the legal system and compensation and, and, uh, and, and suing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think if we, if we can be kind of in defense of, of planners there for projects, let's say, where, uh, for example, a skate park might be built without uh, uh, nighttime lighting and people might complain and say well why was such time and effort gone into that and then the planners decided not to put in outdoor um, lighting first of all it might not be the planners <laughs> making that decision at the end of the day um, but it, it can often be because of of, uh, of of legal reasons and for health and safety um, and that you know sometimes if a parent sees their child fall uh, they start to see money bags <laughs> rolling in front of their eyes. And look, that's a, if you go in and talk to uh, private companies who run, um, we'll say, children's play centers, they will tell you the exact same thing and how insurance on their end is skyrocketing as well. Uh, and I think that's a, it's a conversation that we can have as well, just because it's an interesting point to bring up in the context of planning. Um and there, there, how it acts as a as a as a barrier to uh, in from Julia's point of view of um, uh, of bringing in our natural heritage in terms of the 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 types of material that could be used rather than the kind of the typical plain stuff that we've become so accustomed to because it's deemed as the safest option. Um, so look, uh, as you said, Colin, a really fascinating discussion with Julia. I was thrilled to have it. She was in Italy, you're in America, and I am always, I'm in Caragaline. Uh, I'll get out my little violin. Everyone, thanks for listening. We really enjoyed that, and we hope you did too. Uh, I'm waving goodbye here from Caragaline. Goodbye to you, Colin. 
Right. Thanks very much, Karen, and uh, enjoy the lovely weather there in Carrigaline today. I'm sure to. I'm sure to. Thanks, folks. Talk to you Thanks. soon.